there. Welcome to The Fizzle Show. I'm your host, Corbett Barr, and this is our show about earning a living independently doing something you love. Today, we're joined by John Lee Dumas, or JLD, as he's known. John is host of Entrepreneurs on Fire, a best of iTunes podcast, where John has interviewed over 2,000 amazing entrepreneurs, including Tony Robbins, Seth Godin, Gary Vaynerchuk, Barbara Corcoran, Tim Ferriss, and many more. The business behind Entrepreneurs on Fire has been a huge success as well, grossing over $16 million in revenue since you launched the podcast way back in 2012. John, thank you so much for being on the show today. Corbett, well, I'm fired to be here for a number of reasons because I've been a Fizzle fan for years. I've been a Corbett Bar fan for even longer than that. I mean, the first online course I ever bought was, you'll have to remind me the name of it, but it was like the, back in 2011, it was about blogging and I just bought, oh, it was great. Yeah, that's oh, our start a blog that matters course. That was it. <laughs> and uh, when I saw you speak a blog world, I remember I was a geek in the back that hadn't even launched my podcast yet. I was like, ooh, I have a question. What do you think about podcasting? You're like, eh, I don't think it's going to develop into much. I'm like, I'm never going to launch my podcast now. <laughs> did I say that? Oh. No, you didn't. You okay. didn't actually okay. say that. You said something like, I think podcasting is going to come. You're like, I'll probably have to launch one at some point. <laughs> and, and we did. Uh, we did shortly after you did, I guess. You started in 2012 with Entrepreneurial 2012, Fire. Yeah, yeah, like September. That's amazing. And um, I said at the opening that you're at 2000 episodes. Is that, is that about right? So 2316 as of today, 2316. It's crazy because in iTunes, people probably don't know this unless you're kind of a geek about podcasting, but they only allow so many to show up in the feed and it's what, like 300 or something to cap it at. So (laughs) you've had to like move your podcast all over the place to keep all of them accessible to people. I have seven archive shows now that, you know, equals 2,100 episodes, seven times 300. And a lot of people, it's actually kind of good we're talking about this because a lot of people will go back and look at their podcast now. They're like, why do I only have a hundred? You have to actually go into your podcast host and open it up to 300. Otherwise you're stuck at a hundred. That's just how the, like the, the normal setting is. They don't expect somebody to have 2,300 episodes nope, because nope, I can't imagine <laughs> there are many shows that do. I mean, do you know of any others that are up that high? I know Andrew Warner's up there. You know, he's okay. been cranking things out for a long time, a mutual friend of ours. Uh, but besides that, not many. And you uh, have published, what, five days a week for seven years? So I was seven days a week for five and a half years. And in the last year and a half or so, I've been at between three and four a week. Okay. Awesome. Um, I mentioned as well in the opening a little bit about like the revenue that you've grossed. And and the reason that I'm able to do that is because you guys have published income reports for a long time on your site. And um, it's really cool. If people haven't checked it out before, uh, you can see exactly where John earns his income, revenue, how it breaks down, all that kind of stuff, which is um, really useful for people, I think, especially when it comes to understanding how a podcast can be the basis of a big business. Because I think for a lot of people, it's hard to imagine that a podcast can can help a business earn millions of dollars a year. But really, for you, that's been the backbone of everything is the podcast, right? It's been the core. It's been the absolute foundation. I, you know, Another mutual friend of ours, Pat Flynn, back in 2010, I think, started his income report. And that's when I was like starting to try to figure out, am I going to do something in the online world? That's when I bought your course. And I was just like, this guy, Pat, like he is showing me that you don't have to be like a slimy, sketchy person to like make money online. Like he was a family man and he was doing like really valuable, cool things. And I said to myself, I'm like, if I ever generate any kind of significant revenue, 
I'm going to do that for whatever niche that I find myself in. And so at about 13 months or so after launching the podcast, we started making significant revenue and we just actually published our 75th consecutive monthly income reports. So for now, well over six years, we've been publishing them. Is it fair to guess that um, part of your recipe for success has just been the consistency and showing up day after day after day and week after week and month after month? Zero doubt. Because if you are willing to put in the reps, like get up and put in the reps, guess what? You're going to actually start to kind of get good at that thing you're doing because I was so not good at that thing called podcasting for a very decent amount of time. But what was I doing? I wasn't doing one per week, like 52 times a year. I was doing 30 every month. I was doing 365 every single year. And like, you look at anybody who's become good at anything, like even take any kind of sports example, you don't practice once a week, and become a professional athlete. So I was like, I'm just going to get up and I'm going to put in the reps in my thing, which was podcasting. And the consistency was the absolute reason why I was able to take the podcast to where it is today. How did you uh, find the courage um, or live with the doubt that must have crept into your mind about whether or not this would actually turn into something, especially in the first year or so when there weren't a lot of examples of podcasts out there? Um, you didn't have any experience in podcasting. What what was going through your mind there when you when you had set out this like, breakneck pace of one a day <laughs> and uh, you weren't guaranteed anything. I was living with a lot of doubt. That was an absolute, you know, there was no precedence for success in that area. So I didn't know that I was following a course that was going to lead to success. But at the same time, I was saying to myself, what's the alternative to go back to a life that I wasn't enjoying a life that I wasn't you know, getting fulfillment out of, like I was getting tons of fulfillment out of interviewing people like yourself, who was one of my very, very early guests, Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk, Barbara Corcoran, like just having conversations with people like you and those other others was just like enough for me to keep going. Cause it was doing what I loved doing, like having conversations with really cool people and why I'm still doing it to this day, you know, 2,300 plus episodes later. And that's just my own show. I've been a guest on thousands of other shows as well. So when you combine all that together, it's just like, it's something I enjoy doing. So what is it that you enjoy doing? And, you know, to keep bringing up, I guess, mutual friends of ours, because, you know, you and I are just kind of OGs at this point. So we have a lot of mutual friends from back in the day, but I hired Jamie Masters. You know, she was a successful business podcast host and I wanted to become a successful business podcast host. So I hired her as a mentor. And so while I was living in doubt and fear and uncertainty, she was kind of able to backslap me and say, John, get over it. Like you're going through what every one of us has gone through at some point, you know, get through this, get through the murk, get to the other side, things are going to happen. And so having that mentor that I, you know, invested a lot of money in, kept me going, kept my nose to the grindstone, but also gave me the experience because I was using her experience and allowed me to kind of just keep progressing until I finally did kind of hit that tipping point and start finding my own version of success. So you've mentioned uh, consistency, then a, the key to consistency, it sounds like, is um, getting help from people who have already been there. Uh, and then also 
finding something that you enjoy doing day to day so that the consistency isn't just a total grind, but there's other benefits to it. You show up, you have a fun, invigorating conversation. Um, after all these episodes, you must have like one of the greatest networks online because you've talked to all these people, which is, which is amazing. Um, is the consistency something that you also learned maybe in your background being in the military originally that that discipline and regimen definitely helped a lot like we had a saying in the army which was on the job training which you know isn't unique to the military but it was like you really lived that in the military where they're just like okay we could like give you a manual of a tank you could op open it up and look at pictures which i was a tank officer they said, or you could just like get in the tank and start pushing buttons, you know, obviously like no buttons that would like shoot or go bang, but like, <laughs> they're just like, Hey, get in there, just start doing the thing. And so you really just kind of got thrown into the fire at that point. Like when you're an, uh, a young second Lieutenant, just graduated college, like they just kind of put you into it. And it's like this trial by fire. And that was exactly how I looked at podcasting and just entrepreneurship in general. So I'm like, I'm just going to do the trial by fire. And a lot of people I see that like, you know, John, I'm going to launch my podcast when like my website's perfect and my social media is like really buzzing and this is happening. I'm like, then you're never going to launch a podcast. And you are going to be talking a year later about how you're regretting that you didn't launch a podcast. Like I was never ready when I launched my podcast. I wasn't good. I didn't have the website. I didn't have anything, but I just launched it. And I just figured it out every step of the way. I just like every day got a little bit better. And the most important thing I want to tell people, and I do tell this to people who I coach, I'm just like, Nobody's listening to your podcast when you first start anyways. Like nobody's listening, so nobody cares. Just get out there, produce the content, get better. So by the time people do start listening, because they will, you'll actually have something to say of value. Yeah, it's funny whether it's um, podcasting or content of any kind, YouTube, blogging, whatever. Um, people have it in their mind that as soon as they start publishing, they're going to be scrutinized by like a million people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and wouldn't that be a great problem to have? If that it would be an amazing true. problem to have. But guess what? You're not going to have that problem because there's nobody waiting for you to publish your thing. We've got enough going on in our lives. It's just the true story. So speaking of coaching, uh, you have coached people for a really long time. You've had a very successful podcasting program that I'm sure thousands of people have gone through. And um, I'm guessing that you have seen what works and what doesn't work. You may have seen some changes and so on. Something I wanted to talk to you about today, because a lot of people listening to this, you know, it's fun when we get to reminisce about the old days, but then people say, well, it's too late. Like there's a million podcasts out there or there are a million blogs out there. Um, and you know, it's 2019, it's 2020. Like how could I start something and expect to break out like John Lee Dumas did? What, what have you seen change and what do you see working for people right now? And, and what do you say to people who feel like it, the, the time has passed? So I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I can like clearly remember like, like taking your course and you're like, why did I call this start a blog that matters? It's because there's a lot of blogs out there. So it's important that you start a blog, you know, that matters. And the same thing with me, the podcasting, I'm like, listen, there are a lot of podcasts. And this is when I launched back in 2013 that are out there. This is why you need to start a podcast, you know, that's unique and that's different, that's bringing different things to the world. And so that was six years ago that I launched Podcasters Paradise. And now, you know, podcasting has exponentially blown up and just exploded. And now all these things are happening, but the truth never changed. Like the reality is there's still plenty of space out there for the right podcast, for the right content, for the right blog, for whatever that right thing might be for you. 
but it's just what I've seen change is that person that's just going to launch a podcast that's just like interviewing entrepreneurs, which of course we're still seeing every single day. That's a hard row to hoe right there, period. But the person, and this just happened, so a specific example, that just launched a podcast, you know, around ballet for girls between 10 and 14 years old, that podcast took off immediately. And by took off, I mean, she's getting hundreds of listens per episode, not tens of thousands, hundreds, but every one of those is either a mother of a 10 to 14 year old uh, girl who's in ballet or a 10 to 14 year old girl who's currently in ballet. And guess what? She has sponsors for a podcast because the sponsors are just like every single person that's listening to that podcast needs these ballet slippers, needs this, this, and that. So that's just one example of how people that are launching specific podcasts in real hardcore niches are winning. People that are launching podcasts, regional podcasts of like, you know, the Cincinnati podcast, like they're winning on levels because they're not trying to be the all world to everything podcast. And so that's like where the evolution has been going now. And I've been saying it, you know, for years, but it's just getting more and more and more so into that evolution of, Hey, when you can just become the person who's dominating that niche, your podcast can still grow an audience and you can win at that level where what was my niche back in 2013 or 2012 when I launched, it was just being the only daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. Well, that niche has been taken and clogged up and, and oversaturated. So now you've got to continue to find what is that thing that you actually want to do. And the best part is, is this can really lead you to do the exact podcast that you actually want to do. Not the one you think is just going to bring you fame, fortune, or money, but like, you know, a board game that I love, Sellers of Catan. Mm. I literally got that board game like like a couple months ago, fell in love with it. And what did I do? I went and tried to find a podcast for Sellers of Catan because I'm like, I want to hear guys talking about strategy and this and that. It doesn't exist. But that podcast, that would win. What happened when I first got my Peloton bike, Corbett? I went and looked for the Peloton podcast and I found this woman speaking about her Peloton best accessories of 2019. I went to her blog post and I bought every accessory the pad, the fan that goes with it, this and that, and just, you know, affiliate, 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 because she was being very specific to what I w wanted, which was information about my new Peloton bike purchase. And so that's the trends that I'm seeing. I, I love the example of, um, you know, a podcast for young girls doing ballet between specific ages, because you mentioned it, she already has sponsors on that show. And I've seen this time and time again, when you focus on a narrow topic, a niche, you'll find that there are products out there, advertisers who are dying for a place to advertise their stuff because there's just nothing that's specific enough and they can't get the return on investment if they're spending to advertise on some generic podcast because there's just way too many people who aren't interested in ballet. So then they find your podcast and they're like, great, I would love to sponsor. You may not be talking about huge money, but these things grow over time and you can always expand your niche and kind of add on over time. I love that. Um, so you're seeing that people are focusing on specific niches that's yes. a faster way to grow. Also, have you noticed anything changing about formats and the way that people are podcasting? One thing I was curious about, you know, when we talk about feeling like you're too late, I remember you started in, in 2013 or whatever. I think we started the Fizzle Show maybe in 2014. 
shortly after you did. But I remember clearly thinking like, oh, well, John's already done like an interview show. <laughs> so it's too late, right? Like you've already done this daily interview show. It's too late. And so we kind of went a different direction and, and we had yeah, uh, for the longest time, no interviews on the show, uh, which is silly now looking back on it, you know, because we were nine months behind you. But then fast forward and there were years that went by before we ever heard uh, a show like Serial. And just remember like a few years ago when Serial came out and just took over. And then there were these episodic formats where people dropped almost like Netflix style, 10 at a time where you could like binge listen to these things or the startup podcast or whatever. Well, and let me um, cut in on that real quick because yeah. the startup podcast was created by Gimlet Media. So here I am doing a little workout in my condo back when I was living in San Diego and Gimlet in, in Gimlet goes on that podcast start on the podcast starter that you mentioned, they said, Hey, by the way, we're going to try to actually a listener fund this, this, this company that we're building Gimlet media. Um, so if you, you can invest a maximum of $10,000, they capped it at 10 K you're going to own a piece of this company. And I remember just like stopping the workout. I went in, I, you know, got in in time. They only took 78 people. I invested 10 K and then like two years later, they opened it back up for a second round. So I was able to invest another 10 K in and guess what happens a year ago? I think it was even like nine months ago, Spotify bought Gimlet for $230 million. That was a podcast company that was launched in like 2016. I mean, that's recent times, my friend. So like, you know, people that are just like, I've missed this or I've missed that. It's just like, you're thinking so narrow, like outside, you think a little bit outside the box, like you can create anything. That's amazing. That must've been a nice return on that investment. That was about a 27 or 28x return. Wow. Wow. Home run. I love it. Um, so it's fun to talk about podcasting, but you have built a really impressive business. That's what I love about you. It's not that you're content just to sit back and podcast and kind of, you know, uh, let it all kind of work out. You, you build products, you coach people, um, you're great with sponsors and, and everything, and you've got the complete package. So for people listening to this, usually when they're thinking about starting a podcast, it's not just because they want a podcast, it's because they want to build a business around it. Where do you coach people to start looking to figure out what their big idea is? And, and what does that mean to you? What is the big idea? So one of the things that I'm really most proud of over the last seven years of from launching Entrepreneurs on Fire turning it into a seven-figure net profit a year business 13 months later and hitting those numbers every single year since is that it's really been focused around one core concept. And that's delivering free, valuable, and consistent content to an audience, which I do with a podcast. And then asking that audience in all the different ways I have access to them through the podcast, through my email, through social media, one core question what is your biggest struggle right now? And then just listening, st stepping back and listening. And you know, you're going to get a lot of things that are just really random and you just kind of like disregard those things. But as you're hearing all of these things that are coming your way about people's biggest struggles, you can start to categorize and, and really kind of put into themes a lot of similar struggles and obstacles and challenges that your listeners who you're providing free, valuable, and consistent content to who, because you're doing those things, are beginning to know, like, and trust you on a very intimate level because you're giving this to them. And then you're asking them what their biggest struggle is. And then you're listening to them and you're categorizing their answers and you're identifying, wow, 
like 20 or 40% of my audience is really having a similar struggle around this. And let me give you a perfect example. A lot of my audience, a year into me podcasting, asking that question, were saying, John, there's a couple random blog posts. Like, do you remember David Risley? He yes. was like back from the day. He had like a blog post on podcasting. It was like the only piece of content out there on podcasting, like back in 2012, 2013. It was just like so crazy to think about, but that was like it. And there was like, I just kept directing everybody to that one blog post. Cause they were just, cause I never thought I was going to create a podcasting course. I'm like, I'm just like interviewing people like Corbett to learn from him to then go and create what my thing is, whatever that might be. But then so many people are asking me that question. I'm pointing them to this blog post. They're like, John, it's a good blog post, but it's just a blog post. I need more. I'm like, well, gosh, darn it. I'm going to create something more. And that's what turned into podcasters paradise a year after I launched a podcast, which has now had over 5,000 members, over six and a half million dollars in revenue, just from that one single course. A, you know, a year after that people, I keep asking them that question. People are like, people are like, John, you're asking what, what my biggest struggle is. We're hearing all your guests talk about how they're setting smart goals and they're accomplishing these goals at like a great rate but how do you set a smart goal? How do you accomplish a goal? And I said, well, geez, like, I feel like I have a decent understanding about that, but let me dive deep into this and learn more. I did. I said, there's something here. And that led me to create my first physical product, which was the freedom journal, accomplish your number one goal in a hundred days. And I launched that puppy on Kickstarter just to test the concepts before I actually produced a physical leather bound journal. And I sold 400, I pre-sold $453,000 of those journals in 33 days. Proof of concept? Yes. So then I went and I got those things produced. And now as you and I are talking in 2019, I've done four of those journals because they just keep working because I listen to my audience and I just create the next solution to that next thing. So for me, it's just that very simple concept is if you're going to do things that Corbett's done with your blog posts and fizzle and now your podcast and all these other things, which is creating free, valuable and consistent content. And then you're going to build that know, like, and trust with your audience by doing that on a consistent basis, asking them what their big struggle is and then providing them the solution to that struggle. That's how you're going to win. That's how you're going to create multiple successful products and services in communities that drive revenue. Cause just like Corbett, we have, the podcasting course, we have the community, we have physical products, we have affiliate revenue, all of these different streams come from that process. Yeah. And it, it really adds up. And and what I love about being able to see your income reports and, and Pat's when he was publishing them and others is that of course, there are big sources of revenue that stand out, but you just recognize that as a business matures, you have this audience, they have different needs, and there are a lot of people who will buy different products from you. And so those things all combine to really add up and you might have 20% coming from this thing and 20% totally. from that thing. But when you start out, you probably just have one of those lines and then you continue to listen to your audience and build them what they want. Yeah, I'm we curious. had one revenue stream when we started and that was just sponsorships and yeah. then we added the course and then you know so yeah now you see the pie chart on our, our income reports it's very diverse and and if you had just stuck with sponsorships you know you, you probably would get better at sponsorships and maybe but there's a certain limit to some of these revenue streams and so if you'd stuck with that your business might have earned 20 or 30 percent of what it has totally. overall today um i'm curious being a podcaster 
Sometimes it seems that getting feedback from your audience directly is a little difficult because people download your show, they listen to it in their car, and then there's not really a direct connection to you in some some ways. Um, what do you advise people who are podcasting um, to really connect with that audience so that they can ask those questions? Because you you need to literally ask someone, what are you struggling with? And you can do that, I guess, over the podcast, but then how do you get that feedback or actually solicit? What channels do you use? You are so right. And that's one thing that I love and I'm also frustrated with about podcasting is on one hand, I love, it is what I like to call active listening, meaning like when you like pop on like Pandora or just Spotify music, like, you know, you're sometimes with friends, you're hanging out, like you're talking with them, you're passively listening to that like a, a commercial comes on, you might not even notice. So like, what's the, the real value there for, you know, for those companies, which is by the way, why Spotify on a side note is going so big into podcasting. Cause what have they found? Podcasting is active listening. People are leaning in they're listening. They're consuming the words because they're not like with a group of friends. You're not like with a group of friends, having some drinks, having a podcast on the background. Cause like, that's just, that's just white noise. You're going to have music on. So it's that active listening when people are working out, when they're driving the car, when they're just having a walk, whatever that might be with the dog folding laundry, doing that kind of me time stuff, that active listening. But the frustrating part is it's active, but it's passive because there's no direct interaction. Like you're not just like having a conversation with the actual host. And so when you're done doing your run or something, you know, you put the headphones down, you take a shower, you go off and you do your day and you know, yada, yada, yada. Like that's just kind of the process. So for me, it's so important to have calls to action on every single episode. So with Entrepreneurs on Fire, having three to four episodes per week, I have eight, and I was about to hold up four, but I have eight rotating calls to action. So if you listen to my podcast, it's gonna take you two weeks to hear the same call to action twice because every episode I have a different call to action at the end of the episode. One is going to be to join my free podcasting course. One is going to be to follow me on Instagram. One is going to be to join my email list to get this specific free gift that somebody's going to get value from from listening to this episode, wherever that might be. Somebody that's also a mutual friend of ours that did this so well for years. She's kind of gone away from this, but for years, Amy Porterfield had one specific specialized call to action for every single episode where like it was a huge value add. So she was having her audience needing to go download that checklist or that PDF or that like, you know, mini ebook that she created specifically for that content on that episode. Like she was the best at that for a really, really long time um, on, on her podcast. And so for me, like I've kind of taken these lessons from all these different areas. And now I have very specific calls to action to get my audience to come from just behind the earbuds and actually engage with my content on a more intimate level by going to my website, joining my email list, joining my free podcast course, which of course requires an email to get in there, buying one of my journals, doing this, doing that. So I'm, I'm having these rotating calls to action because everybody is going to be intrigued by something different. So I don't want to have just one plain vanilla call to action that's only going to appeal to a small percentage of my audience. I want to keep mixing things up and making things happen. And that then is allowing them to get into my universe. And, you know, for me, it's just like when somebody's following me on Instagram, I have a system set up where they're getting an immediate message from me that's saying, hey, 
want to say thank you for joining me. Like, you know, I'm curious, how did you find out about, like I asked them like very specific direct questions to start those communications. So I'm always engaging, always interacting, always asking people when they join the email list to hit reply and give me their biggest goal for 2019, you know, soon to be 2020. So you always just have to be number one on the podcast, giving them really strong direct calls to action. But number two, when they take action on that call to action, what's that next interaction step you're giving them to keep the conversation going? And that's where I see a lot of entrepreneurs fail because, you know, I try to go down everybody's little rabbit holes and their funnels to learn from them because everybody has their little gems that they're doing. And sometimes I'm just like, wow, they're missing out so much here because they're just not keeping the conversation going. And I don't remember who said this, but I loved it, which was, it's never your job, like as the content producer to end the conversation. They can end the conversation at any point by just unsubscribing, by Xing out on the email. They have the full power to end the conversation. There's no reason for you to end the conversation as a content producer. I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up funnels because I think a lot of people who are in the beginning stages of building an online business might not realize for advanced people like you how much is going on behind the scenes to <laughs> architect the experience that a reader has and or a listener and that you don't just think of them as a listener who just connects with your podcast you think of this person as a a, a deep connection that you're trying to make and shepherd through this this your world and whether that be your podcast or social media or your email list or eventually maybe buying something from you taking a course from you becoming a, a customer a client that sort of thing and that you really have to think about how is this person going to interact with all of my stuff and and that's sort of to me the beginnings of understanding what a funnel is how would you describe for someone who's not familiar with a marketing funnel, what it is, and how do you think about it in a holistic way? So I love this concept and I love this topic because to me, it's everything on what either makes or breaks a successful business. Because to me, a funnel's goal is not just to convert somebody into a paying customer of yours. To me, a funnel's goal is to convert somebody into an evangelist of yours. So to really kind of expound upon that, let me kind of walk you through one of my best performing funnels that's a multi, multi-million dollar funnel. And it's not super complex, but I'll show you how I, I don't even stop at the sale. I don't, I don't stop until I truly believe I've done as much as I can to turn that person into an evangelist for me, for my brand, for my products, and for my business. So for instance, you're listening to Entrepreneurs on Fire because you found the podcast or one of your friends like message, oh, this interviewer, this, this interviewee that John has interviewed is great. Listen to him. So you listen to the podcast. It's what I call my MTG. My main traffic generator is the podcast. Entrepreneurs on Fire gets over a million listens per month. What am I going to do with those earballs? you know, with people that are actually listening to that podcast? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I had those eight different calls to action. Let's just go with one of them and I'll walk you through that funnel my podcast funnel. So at the end of that episode, I'll say, hey, Corbett just dropped some great value, Fire Nation. I hope you enjoyed it. By the way, if like myself in Corbett, you know, who has his own podcast, if you see the value in podcast and you're thinking you might want to start a podcast of your own, I've got a completely free course for you. It's called Free Podcast Course. And it's completely free, just like it sounds. And I'm going to teach you everything you need to know about creating 
and launching your podcast. Now, I've made it a very confusing name. It's freepodcastcourse.com. So go check it out. It's completely free. Sign up today. Boom. Some, some percentage of the people are going to go that want to start a podcast and sign up for that course. So they sign up for the course, and now they have access. They've given me their email. They've unlocked the video tutorials below, which are all the tutorials they need on how to create and launch their podcast. So now they're going through these videos at their own speed. They're also now on my podcast segmented email list where I'm giving them reminders. How's the, how's the tutorials coming? Are you getting stuck anywhere? Do you have any questions for me? And those questions get funneled directly to me. So I'm making sure that I'm keeping the answers coming back to them to keep them moving along. But the idea of the funnel is they're moving through these video tutorials. After they take those, after they go through the video tutorials, I then push them into the next stage of the funnel which is, hey, this is a free on-demand one-hour webinar that you can watch whenever you want where I teach you not just how to create and launch your podcast, but also how to grow and monetize it in a meaningful way. So now a certain percentage of people are watching that one-hour webinar. And at the end of that webinar, what happens? I say, hey, if, you just walk, if you've been through a free podcast course, now you've watched this webinar, now you're really excited about podcasting, hopefully, there's a certain percentage of you that want to join our premium community, Podcasters Paradise. Here's the link to learn more about it. And there's a video tutorial with behind the scenes and all these other things. They're all pushing them into Podcasters Paradise, which is a paid podcasting community, $97 per month or $9.97 per year. And that $9.97 per year has some like really sweet bonuses because you always love those annual members, which we can get into later, but you know, that's kind of the goal. So anyways, now a lot of people's funnels, Corbett, stops right there. The sale happens, they're done, they're back to the beginning of the funnel trying to get people into it, which I get. But my goal now is how do I turn that person that just joined into an evangelist while also, and something that you're very good at with your community, reducing churn to the minimal amount as possible. So now I've made the sale, my job is still going. Like it is far from done. So immediately upon getting a sale on Podcasters Paradise, my phone will be alerted through an app called Bonjoro. And I will just see that, um, that message right there. And my goal, my personal goal is within 48 hours, I'm recording a very quick, but a very personal message to that person. And I'm saying, Corbett, this is John. Thank you for joining Podcasters Paradise, for putting your faith and trust and Kate and myself, we will not let you down. And by the way, I'm proud of you for investing in yourself to share your voice, your message, your mission with the world. Like we're going to do this together. It's going to be awesome. And by the way, Corbett, jump into the Facebook group as soon as you can, because myself and Kate, were there every day, which we are providing answers, support, guidance. So any questions you have, ask me in the Facebook group so everybody can benefit. Boom. I send it and people come back to that at like an 80% clip. Like, wow, thanks for the welcome. That's so cool. I feel so welcome, all this stuff. And it's just such a no brainer because it's so quick. I can whip out, you know, 40 of those in under an hour, you know, if I batch them and do them just kind of like back to back to back to back. And then they're immediately getting an email that says your, your first eight steps in paradise to just really start walking them down that road. And this is where I actually, you know, really listened to the episodes that you did when you guys really had that discovery journey within Fizzle to get mm. people going down that right path. And I thought that was so brilliant. So I really try to bring that concept into podcasters paradise. And then the thing that I do this really next level is two days after they join, they honestly get an email that says, can we chat? This is JLD. That's the subject line. And it says a quick email that says, Hey, this is honestly John. This is an email from me, John. 
And I literally want to call your cell phone and just say, welcome to paradise and thank you for joining. I, I'm very clear though. I'm like, by the way, this is not a coaching call. Any questions you have, ask, ask your question in the Facebook group so that everybody can benefit from the answer. But I want to call and I want to say hello and thank you. And if you're interested, click here. They click there. It takes into to a quick Google form that just says name, email, number. And the last part is just John makes these phone calls every Saturday between 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's the only time he'll be calling. So expect his phone call then. And remember, this is not a coaching call. No questions about podcasting because, of course, they all try. But I just want to be clear, this is just a hello. And then Corbin, I jump on that call. I'm just like, Corbett, just want to say thank you. Uh, for joining Podcasters Paradise. I wanted to do it voice to voice. So thank you for, uh, so thank you for joining. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing you in paradise. Make sure to be in the Facebook group. Myself and Kate are there every day again. I'll see you there, brother. But wait, John, I have one quick question. Corbett, I know you do, but I want you to ask that question in the Facebook group because I want to make sure that everybody benefits. And that's how you avoid getting drawn into these. Everybody's like, I could never do that because I'd be on a call for an hour. And you would, but you have to have rules and you've got to abide by your rules. And then you can just I can whip off 40 calls in that hour. And I do oftentimes because I'm just like so militant about keeping it to a minute. I'm being nice. I'm, well, actually, I'm not being mean, but I'm being strict. I was like, guys, like you've got to respect. I'm calling to just say hello and welcome. And that is kind of just the way that I take people down a funnel and don't just enter the sale, but turn them into evangelists. Because how many people now do you think are just like, honestly, wow. I literally just got off the phone with like Johnny Dumas or Corbett Barr, like the founder of this community, this multimillionaire who's making all this, like, and, and to them, they're turning into an evangelist. And so next time they hear somebody like, I'm thinking I'm starting a podcast, boom, that person just sold the program for me. And that's happening all the time. We haven't spent a dime in Facebook ads or any ads for a podcaster's paradise for years because we just stopped seeing the ROI that we wanted on Facebook ads specifically. And we're still doing twenty-five dollars to $35,000 a month in paradise sales on organic traffic. That's amazing. Uh, thank you for walking us through that, John. Um, and for people listening to this, I love that your funnel doesn't just end at the sale. Because for so many, when they define the funnel, that's where it stops. That's and it. There's, there's so much to gain uh, in long-term trust, repeat business, uh, referrals, all that kind of stuff. And I know that um, people listening are are probably thinking like, this is insane. Like, how does John, <laughs> how does he show up and do a podcast every day? Uh, he personally introduces himself to every person who joins. He calls all the customers. Like, this is crazy. But I know that you are hyper efficient with your time and that you just group everything together. And you say, for this hour, this is, this is what I'm going to be it's doing. One hour a week. I, I promise you, I promise you, I am less busy than 95% of entrepreneurs that you know. Like I'm promising you across the board, I could do a screen share of my calendar right now. And today, by the way, is insane. It's like, that's today's my day. I'm, I'm going, it's 7 7.30 PM uh, Puerto Rico time right now. I'm going until 10.30. But literally, there's not another thing on my calendar the other six days of this week, nothing. That's a good feeling, isn't it? When you, yeah, when you look at it. your day, you wake up tomorrow and you're like, well, what do I want to do today? And I equate it to like football sometimes. Like I don't mind like having one Super Bowl a week. I wake up, this is my Super Bowl. And guess what? It is long. And I don't want to say it's exhausting because I love doing this stuff, but it's long. It's time consuming. It's mental bandwidth and all this thing. 
but it's my Super Bowl. So I wake up and I'm ready to do it and I crush it. So John, one other thing that I want to cover today um, before I let you go, you mentioned early that you were working with Jamie Masters early on, that she was a mentor to you. And this was somebody that you were paying, right? You, you had enrolled yes. um, her as a coach. Coach. And I think it's scary to think about in the beginning paying someone or paying for various things in your business when there are all these unknowns out there. You don't know if this is going to turn into something. You don't know if hiring Jamie or somebody else is going to pay off. True. Um, tell us about the importance of mentors, of connecting with other entrepreneurs, and um, how important you think that was to you and how important you think that should be for the average person. So I always say the two most important things when you're first getting going is to find the right mentor and to find the right masterminds, like your people, like who are those individuals? And that's the, the one reason why I've literally ended 2,300 and now 16 episodes of Entrepreneurs on Fire by saying you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, which is that Jim Rohn quote, because it's so true. And so back in 2012, when I had that one David Risley blog post to go off of on, to learn how to podcast, I was like this fawn, just like wandering the forest without my mother. I didn't know where to go next. I was clueless. And luckily I was consuming the right content, like reading books, like Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, where he talks about these concepts. And the one thing that stuck with me was you have to find people who are currently where you want to be and have them mentor you. And so like, would Richard Branson have been a great mentor for me? Like, no, because I didn't want to run an airline or you know, um, created Virgin Records. Like I wanted to become a successful business podcast host. So I made a list of the top 10, as I saw them, successful business podcast hosts. And I started reaching out to them and saying, hey, this is who I am. This is my story. I see you have a coaching program. Can I apply to be in that coaching program? And then Jamie ended up just being the best fit for me. And I immediately hired her for a six month mentorship. And it was the best thing I could have done. What was one of the first things she did, Corbett? She goes, John, you're coming with me to New York City to Blog World. I'm like, to what? And so what do I do? I go down to Blog World. I see you speak. I'm meeting Derek Halpern and Pat Flynn because Jamie's introducing me to them because she's speaking at that conference. So before I know it, I'm just like talking to these individuals who are big movers and shakers in the industry. And I'm still an absolute zero nobody, but I'm with Jamie. And she's like, hey, this is my mentee. He's starting a podcast and you should be on the show. And, you know, if I just like sent these people a cold email, like if it had even reached them, who knows what would have happened. But they were like, oh, sure. For you, Jamie, I'll, I'll be on this guy's show just doing you a favor. They weren't doing me any favors. And that was just like this immediate, just absolute pressing the fast forward button. You know, it's like, you know, getting that like uh, star in Super Mario Brothers. It was like it made you like invincible for that time frame because I was with Jamie during that that period of time. And then not to mention just like, the weekly accountability and the coaching and the guiding and her helping me avoid all the stupid things that, you know, most podcasters do when they don't have mentors, but then making sure that I do the things that are so critical to do when you first are launching and doing this and doing that. So that was absolutely critical. And then the second thing I did was I joined like essentially the fizzle of podcasting at that time, which was Cliff Ravenscraft's uh, podcast mastermind course that he had where there was like 50 people and, you know, we all paid a significant amount of money. It was $3,500 for the year. So this was a high cost mastermind. 
but you know, it was also high touch. So every single week I'm on a live call with Cliff and he's answering our questions and he's taking us through this and that and doing all these things. And that was my mastermind component. So I had the one-on-one mentor, I had the masterminds. And that's why when I launched, like I launched literally on fire. Whereas if I had tried to do it all myself, like I would have unfortunately probably given up after a few weeks and gone back to whatever, you know, sad job that uh, I could get my hands on at that time back in the corporate world. And like that could have potentially been my life. And so that's why it's so important when you're starting off to do those things, to find the right mentor, to find your tribe, your, your people that are, you know, that are at a, cause again, Cliff was the guy, but the other 50 people were all people that were at the similar situation that I was in. They were all about to launch, just launched two months from launching. So we were all in that similar boat, helping each other out, giving each other support, guidance, and hope. And some of those people, man, like we still see each other at conferences where it's like, dude, remember back in 2012? Like, it's crazy. Like, and it's just like to see how some of them have come. And by the way, how some of them have just fallen by the wayside because, you know, they didn't continue to invest in themselves and they didn't continue to progress. And so that's why it's important to invest in yourself. I like, to, I like that quote by Russell Brunson. It's like, when you pay, you pay attention. And so for me, like paying made it real. John, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so glad that you didn't give up because we wouldn't have those 2,316 episodes or whatever to listen to. That was exactly it. (laughs) You guys can find more from John Lee Dumas over at eofire.com and be sure to check out his monthly income reports that we talked about to see a breakdown of how a successful podcast makes millions of dollars a year. You can also find Entrepreneurs on Fire anywhere that you listen to podcasts. As always, you can find links to everything that we talked about today over at fizzleshow.co. This was episode number 364. I'm Corbett Barr, and until next time, thanks for listening to The Fizzle Show.